How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love. I'm Leslie Marshall in Los Angeles. He's Mark Levine on the other side of the country, live from our nation's capital. Now, he co-hosts every hour, too, on Wednesdays, but I thought I'd have him stick around with me here this afternoon in hour three. How you doing, Mark? You with us, right? Um, You know, I was sitting at Fox uh, yesterday waiting to go on, and I saw... Uh, pieces of a hearing by House members uh, with Secret Service agents. Um, Clearly, Joseph Clancy is frustrated, the Secret Service director, by the Secret Service's latest mishap. Yesterday, he talked about the frustration and about the frustration amid the latest allegations of wrongdoing by two senior agents. Here's a bit of what's going on before we get into more Uh, you know, meat on this issue. Uh, This is Joseph Clancy being grilled yesterday at that hearing by House members over the incident involving two drunk Secret Service agents. This was the incident on March 4th. On March 4th, 2015, our understanding is that uh, two senior level level, uh, special agents came to the White House. Uh, The initial reports... I did not hear this uh, incident until Monday. So this was on a Wednesday night. I found out uh, Monday. Uh, once I found out uh, Monday, uh, and, and what I heard initially, the initial reports from an anonymous uh, report was that, uh, as you stated, two uh, senior-level special agents had crashed into the White House, uh, and they were inebriated. Why did you not learn of this incident immediately? Yes, sir, and that's what we're trying to find out uh, through, uh, obviously, the Office of Inspector General. I don't care about the Office of Inspector General. God love them and good luck to them. You're in charge. I should have been informed, and we're we're following up on that, and there will be accountability. And I know that our workforce is listening today as we go through this hearing, and they're waiting to see uh, what, how people are going to be held accountable. Um, And this is my first test. You say you're not investigating because you want the Inspector General of the Department to investigate is hogwash. With all due respect, I'm just shocked by your testimony. First of all, you said it wouldn't have been reported to you other than a whistleblower. I mean, it wasn't someone in the chain of command that reported it to you. And then you said what really shocks me It will take time to change the culture. I don't understand this one bit. Maybe it's it's as bad as it may be to say this. Maybe it's good that it happened early in my tenure so that we can set a tone uh, as we move forward. Uh, But, uh, sir, I can't say any more than that. Another And NBC News uh, reported the details of uh, finding, uh, what we're going to talk about as well today, that there was a letter that has tested positive for cyanide. Uh, This uh, letter and the revelation of this came out the day before yesterday, that this letter uh, was tested. They found cyanide. This letter was mailed to the White House. The White House mailing screening facility uh, found it. 
And uh, there were more reports that came out about this, um, certainly uh, late yesterday and early today. This is the NBC News report about the details of that letter laced with cyanide. Sort of home being investigated by the Secret Service, an envelope sent to the White House that's tested positive for cyanide. NBC's Kristen Welker is at the White House this morning. Kristen, what are you hearing? Well, Savannah, good morning. According to Brian Leary, that's a spokesperson with the Secret Service, officials at the White House mail screening facility, which is located in the Washington, D.C. area, received an envelope on Monday that was suspicious. Now, initial tests showed that it was negative for toxic chemicals, but then on Tuesday, according to Leary, quote, that chemical testing returned a presumptive positive for cyanide. Leary said the envelope has been sent to another facility for more testing, and there is an ongoing investigation. Now, this was first reported by the online publication The Intercept, which said the envelope can be traced to a man who has a record with the Secret Service dating all the way back to 1995 and who sent multiple suspicious and disturbing packages over the years. Now, meanwhile, this all comes as the Secret Service is under fire after two agents allegedly drove onto the White House complex while inebriated, interrupting an active investigation. Secret Service Director Joseph Clancy was on Capitol Hill yesterday and told lawmakers it took him five days to learn about that incident, and it was an anonymous source who informed him. He faces more hearings on Capitol Hill and outrage from both sides of the aisle. Lawmakers are calling for heads to roll. Uh, uh, let's, uh, you know, we're going to do a lot of talking about these two issues because they do tie in together. And it, you know, comes down to the president, the White House, is this man truly safe? You have a couple of drunk Secret Service agents. We've had Secret Service agents, agents uh, drunk before. We had a guy jump the fence, run over the lawn of the White House, and get into the White House. And, uh, you know, fortunately, the, the president wasn't just walking uh, down the hall, or neither were the First Lady or uh, the children. And, you know, when you hear about these reports again, and you also hear about this letter laced with cyanide, and that the guy who sent it has sent numerous letters. Why the hell isn't this guy in jail? Lots to talk about. Now, you heard the audio of Secret Service Director Joseph Clancy saying he's frustrated about the latest allegations of wrongdoing by the two senior agents. He testified before the House Appropriations Subcommittee hearing on his agency's budget, but he said he wasn't told, as you heard, about an alleged drunken driving incident near the White House earlier this month for several days. He said there's, quote, no excuse for the fact that the information was not passed up the chain of command more quickly, which makes many of us wonder, do these Secret Service agents not take their job seriously, or are these people not being screened, vetted, and trained uh, properly for this position. In other words, has the bar been lowered over the years? Uh, the incident uh, was initially described in press reports as an agent crashing a government vehicle into a security barrier while on-duty agents and officers investigated a suspicious item. But uh, he told members of the subcommittee that he has, quote, seen nothing to indicate this incident as described uh, occurred. Now, he was appointed by President Barack Obama, Joseph Clancy, um, earlier this year, and that was after the shakeup. From the last issue with the agency, the Secret Service Agency, uh, which is security problems. Uh, he told lawmakers that video of the incident on March 4th shows the vehicle driving at a low rate of speed when it nudged the barrier. Nonetheless, he said he was frustrated that he was not told about the incident for several days and only learned about it from an anonymous email. Quote, you heard, I should have been informed. 
I'm frustrated, very frustrated that we did not know about this. I don't didn't know about this until money. And that delay, he said, suggests there is still a lot of work to be done to change the agency's culture, including the use of alcohol. It shouldn't be culture. It shouldn't be culture. These are men and women who are supposed to take a bullet for the president of the United States, former presidents of the United States, and even and, and ambassadors and high-ranking officials and heads of other states that come to uh, the United States. Um, he acknowledged, Mr. Clancy, that some agents and officers have used alcohol to help deal with the job stresses. Well, we all know that's not a good thing to use to stre- help stress. And if the job is so stressful, and we know it's a stressful job, then maybe these people being chosen are not the people for the job because we didn't hear about these things, right? We didn't hear, hear about these things years ago in the days of the Kennedys and the Reagans. Um, and, uh, you know, he says this is a small group. Well, if he knows there's a small group, what are they doing still on the job? If I have a drinking problem, I'm either going to get my ass fired or I'm going to get sent to rehab or both. Unfortunately, he said, we have an element, and I believe it's the smallest element, that is causing this agency great distress. Were they drunk when the guy broke into the White House? Were they? And uh, he said the agents did not receive a sobriety test the night of the incident. Why? I would have. You would have. And we're not in the Secret Service. Uh, Congressman David Young, who's a Republican from Iowa, pressed Clancy on why the agents involved in the latest incident had not been fired. I think it's a fair question. And I don't think that this is a partisan issue. He said, quote, I'm surprised that these two agents haven't stood up and said, I resign. What do you do with them? And then Clancy said the investigation had been turned over to the Homeland Security Department's inspector general. He said that investigation must be completed before his disciplinary action can be taken. He said, quote, I don't have the ability to fire people at will. We looked into that. That is true. Uh, And he took over the agency only on an interim basis. Still, he needs to do the job he is assigned to and taking over, even in the interim. And, of course, we had a series of presidential security breaches. There was a man in the same elevator as the president with a gun. Um, He said a knife. That was a Texas man armed with a knife. Uh, Well, a man armed with a knife able to climb over the fence of the White House and make it deep into the executive mansion before being subdued. And, of course, there was a man with a gun on the elevator, same elevator as the president. These security breaches are more than just an embarrassment for this agency. Now, in 2012, the Secret Service became the subject of late-night comedians, but I think we all agree this is no laughing matter. Uh, Mark, I want to get your take, but let me uh, throw out some questions for our, our, our callers. Can we trust the Secret Service to protect our president and other high-ranking officials with the amount of misconduct and security breaches that have occurred? 888-653-7543. Do you think that Clancy will make for a stronger Secret Service chief over Julia Pearson? Both allowed their agents misconduct, such as soliciting prostitutes, drunken driving, going unnoticed and unpunished. The list goes on. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to get your take on this. I want to hear Mark Levine. Do we need to raise the bar? Are the people that are being hired for this job not able and up for the job? And really, is the cat watching the mice here? And in a world of drone technology and cyber attacks, shouldn't we be concerned about our president's safety? This is the first black president elected. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Mark Levine. We're talking about the Secret Service, and we're talking about uh, a number of screw-ups. And then uh, also there was a letter that had cyanide on it that was found on Monday. Uh, Mark, go ahead. We had to take a break. Uh, Buddy, uh, get your take on this. We'll talk more in depth, and we will take calls and tweets. 
Uh, I think the Secret Service needs a wholesale rooting out from top to bottom, or perhaps I should say from bottom to, bo- to bottom to top. I think the real problem with Joseph Clancy is he is a creature of that environment. He's of the culture of that environment. He's an inside guy. Uh, I'm not sure that he's a bad guy, but you have a completely dysfunctional department. This isn't a case of one or two bad agents. This is a case where I think every single person in the secret agency, uh, whether they've been there six months or been there six years or 26 years, needs to be asked tough questions, needs to be rooted out if they're the wrong person. There's this culture, basically, of don't squeal on your fellow agent. Uh, Some might call it the thin blue line when it comes to police officers. That's the worst possible culture for a culture to protect the president. There was a case recently of a woman in the Secret Service who heard what she thought was gunshots. Her supervisor thought it was a car backfiring. So rather than report it up the chain just to be safe, they basically covered it up because she was afraid that if she, the one who heard what she thought was gunshots, that if she reported up the chain, she would get punished. This idea that reporting information that could possibly be harmful to the president, that you could get punished, is exactly the wrong idea. What we need to do is what the Department of Homeland Security does. Examine a hundred things. I I talked to an uh, an agent there, and he said, we go through thousands of data a day, and 99% of them are absolutely nothing, but we go through them all in order to find that needle in a haystack. The Secret Service appears to be the opposite. They throw anything away unless they're sure it's a threat. Well, you know, that's not exactly the standard we should have here. Uh, no, not at all. I, hey, we agree 100% on this one, buddy. Um, yeah. you know, uh, no question at all. Um, uh, let's uh, go to the calls, and we go to Reggie Indicator, Georgia, Line 5. Yeah, happy hunt, happy hump to both you, yourself, Leslie Marshall, and Mark Levine. Hey, Reggie. How are you doing, guys? Happy Good. hump day to both of you. Uh, I would just like to reinstate, I would just like to reconfirm what you just, reiterate what you just said, Mark, and that, in other words, what you're saying is that the Secret Service should have a clean house, a clean sweep from top to bottom, inside and outside, up and down, right and left, the whole yeah. kit and caboodle. You know, I don't think Joseph Clancy can do that. I mean, Joseph Clancy appears to be a nice guy. He's made good friends with the president. President Obama likes him personally. But this is larger than President Obama's friendship. This is about his safety. And I don't know that Clancy can change the culture. And I think they should give him a couple more months. But that's about it. Uh, I mean, it's, he's new, and he's been there a month, and okay, he's got a, it's, it's a completely messed up department. But he needs to interview every single agent. And, uh, you know, this idea that he can't fire people that, that do wrong, if he can't, then he need, instead of saying, sorry, I can't fire people, he needs to go to Congress and say, hey, Congress, I need a law to fire someone immediately. And I guarantee you, both Democrats and Republicans and the president will very quickly sign such a law. You know, the other thing that concerns me, Mark, when you look at what the Secret Service does, there, it, it, there's two areas. One, uh, financial crimes. Uh, they cover prevention, investigation of counterfeiting of U.S. currency and Treasury securities. Right. Also investigation it's a weird of, major, of major fraud. Right. right. But when, right. You look at protect, when you look at protection, money is one thing, but you're looking at human lives. They are protecting current national leaders, former national leaders, current and former national leaders' families, the president being among them, past presidents – vice presidents, presidential candidates, visiting heads of state and foreign embassies. You have too much to drink and you miss, uh, you know, you know, uh, you, you know, pre- preventing a bullet from getting into the head of a former president's, you know, wife or, or child. 
I'm serious. Is that what it takes for somebody to wake up and realize there is a huge issue here? And if there is knowledge by Mr. Clancy that some of these people turn to booze because it's a high-stress job, no kidding. There are people that turn to booze and high-stress jobs across the board. Those people should not be in those jobs. Those Uh, people need to get help. You know, I I completely understand people who've had a hard day and need a drink. I get it. But the Secret Service holds to a higher standard than Joe Sixpack. Joe Sixpack had a hard day at work. He leans back. He opens his Budweiser. Good for Joe. This is America. The Secret Service has paid big bucks to be big heroes and to be an extremely important protection for all of us Americans. It's not just protecting Obama. If the president goes, we have a whole national crisis here. We hold these people to higher standards. We should hold them to higher standards. And if they can't handle the job they need to leave it um i agree reggie last word before the break yeah i mean yeah but like you said there should be a clean sweep of the whole entire secret service from inside and out and uh, who would who would send uh cyanide lace laden letters and threatening facebook and tweets to the president what some crazy person like this yeah. Some crazy uh, person. They hey, do it and, all the and, time. And, and, and speaking of, Mark, I want you thank you, Reggie, for the call. When we come back, we'll take more calls. We'll share your tweets. We're going to take a break. Mark, when we come back, speaking of that letter, th- this guy has sent a number of letters. How come this guy is free to do that? <laughs> we'll be back. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Mark Levine. We want to hear from you. 888-6-LESLIE. 888-653-7543. Is it time to clean house in the Secret Service? We will be back. Mark Levine and I say yes. What do you say? 8886-LESLIE. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Mark Levine taking your calls at 8886-LESLIE. Okay, Mark, let's take some more calls, and then you and I will chat about some of this stuff. Let's go to Alan in Dallas, line five. Hey, Alan, good afternoon. What do you say about these Secret Service agents and that letter laced with cyanide? Uh, Comment on one or both? Well, I think, I mean, basically my stance on the Secret Service kind of ties back into this world we live in where information is readily available to all of us. Um, you know, to think that these issues with the Secret Service haven't been going on for decades is kind of, I think, a little bit of a misnomer to assume that it's just been the last few years. But it's actually a debate I've had here recently with people on other topics to where we're taking, you know, we live in a, an outrage world where, you know, anything that happens nowadays is featured, it's covered, it's headlined, it's blogs, it's websites, everything. So we hear about everything a lot more, you know. I was, you know, when I talked about it, I talked about the dangerous world we live in. And I wrote an article a few months ago about it and talked about World War II and what perception of World War II would be different if we had social media and the Internet. I mean, we as a society today flip out over the 4,500 deaths of, in Iraq. But during World War II, we lost over 400,000 people in less than four years. I mean, if that was being covered how differently would our perception of what happened then be compared to like what we do nowadays? We look back on World War II with as the Great War, we you know heroes, you know it was the pivotal time in American history. But if we had the information we have or the technology we have now to look at it, how would the media cover World War II with hundreds of Americans dying every single day, thousands in some days? Normandy invasion, thousands of people dying within a 24-hour period. So it's kind of, you know, you look at the Secret Service thing, and yes, the information we get about it nowadays isn't great. But to assume that this is suddenly this this new influx of irresponsible behaviors, I don't know, I think it's a little bit conflated based on just what we get and what drives headlines. And right now it's one of those stories of, you know, a, a small 
you know, drunk and driving thing, which isn't a good thing to do anyway, but it's been blown up into such a bigger story than what it really is tied to, you know, the prostitution scandals and a couple other things that have happened. But I don't know. I just, I haven't made that big of a deal out of it. I just think a lot of it ties into what technology we have and the information we have and the ability for people to at least temporarily pretend to be outraged over something until they get over it and find the next thing to kind of... See, I think if it were one incident, I think if uh, a couple drunken agents, you know, hit a a, a Jersey barrier, then I think we could dismiss it, fire those two to be sure, but then dismiss it as a couple people that are off. The problem with the Secret Service, it seems to me, is it's one thing after another. It's that. It's the man that got in the White House. It's the guy with the gun that got in the elevator with the president. It's the people that shot at the windows uh, of the residence that they didn't find out till later. It's the person that got the drone in over the fence. I mean, it just goes on and on and on yeah, and but on. These, but these are, and that tells me but it's the, not an isolated incident, but it's a but, true but the drone culture thing, of the agency problem. Too. We haven't heard about the drone thing in the past because drones weren't a thing years ago. These are new things they're having to come Well, the drone is new. Okay, the drone is new. I'll grant you that. The drone is new. They need a new policy on the drone. The other stuff isn't new. Well, the guy jumping over the fence, okay, that's one big oversight. It was huge. The alarm was off. He got inside the White House. It's not just that he jumped over the fence and they didn't catch him. The door was unlocked and the alarm was off. I mean, you know, it's, 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 you know, and and the fact that someone shot at the, at the window where the family lives and they didn't find out about it for five days until the maid, the maid found the bullets, not the Secret Service. That, that's a real problem. Yeah, and I'm not, nobody's denying that stuff. But what I'm saying is, if we go back through history, if we could dig through a lot of this stuff, how many things like that probably happened similar that we just never heard about? Attacks on the White you... House? I mean, um, I, you know, I... I uh... Isn't a lot of this maybe more hostile action towards people jumping fences and taking these kinds of risks based upon what I said about information, people being worked up so much? I mean, I remember. I, I think people have been worked theory. up. I'll tell you. I think people, and I'll let Leslie, I want Leslie to answer too, but I think people have been worked up all throughout U.S. history. I think you can't name a decade in American history where people weren't worked up about something. They were way yeah, worked but, up more in the 60s than today, uh, but, but the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, there was always something for someone to be worked up about. And um, it's true we get more information today, but when it comes to the White House, there was always a lot of information around the White House. People, that's, that's not exactly an obscure corner of the United states of america it is heavily watched it has been heavily watched i mean we can go back to andrew jackson where the people trash the place but uh, really it's it's um i don't rem- I, my guess is if these incidents happened uh, 10 years ago 20 years ago 30 years ago we would have heard about them too and you might have heard of- go ahead no i mean i'm not saying that bigger incidents aren't worth noting but to act as if we have the same access to information today that we did 10, 20, 30 years ago. No, we have more access to information. I concede your point, Alan. I just think with regard to the White House, um, it, that's, that's just shining in the spotlight. We have more access to information of places outside the spotlight. But a pretty bright sh- spotlight's been shined on the White House for a long time. In some ways, for example, whether the president had extramarital affairs, we learn a lot more about that. I mean, we didn't know about it during Kennedy eras. We know about it during the Clinton era. But when it comes to protecting the president, there's no reason to keep these things secret. Uh, unless, I mean, are you saying that you think these kinds of attacks occurred tw- 10, 20, 30 years ago and we just didn't hear about them? Is that what you think? I think, I think it was a lot easier back then 
because one, of course, this always falls in the White House and embarrasses the White House. But I think back then, a lot of these issues are covered up because of the sense of the just the national notoriety of it. So if they can hide it, they're going to. I mean, that's just well, nature it, politics. It, the point is, is that if that's true, and you may be right, we can't know what we don't know. But if you're right, that whole culture needs to change, and you need to shake up from top to bottom. And, and it's fine, and nobody's denying that. I mean, these guys have got to be responsible for the job that they're Absolutely. tasked with. But my problem is this, this belief nowadays that we're just all this new stuff that we're you know experiencing and seeing and hearing and understanding. I mean, President Obama when he was elected in 2008, has really been the first president in our history to live through social media's boom. I mean, it, Facebook, Twitter, and all that kind of stuff was, you know, at its infancy kind of towards the late of, you know, the Bush presidency and really strong. That, that's all true, Alan. You're absolutely right, but I'm not sure how that affects the president's safety. It's, it's not so much the safety. It's just my thing is about the perception of it, again. It's... You think, you think these incidents happened, we just suddenly, don't know, we didn't know about suddenly knew. They're just, oh, No, I, 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 think, I agree with Alan to a point, which is, you know, I, I think the reason we know, I think there's more transparency, and, you know, the world is smaller, and, you know, I mean, there was a time where celebrities were over there and dressed differently than us, and it, it was the same with the president. I mean, the president is definitely much more, um, I think, you know, reachable than, you know, 30 years ago, right? I mean, you know, I, you, you see him going on late-night shows and shaking hands and, and, and whatnot. Now, I, I would agree with Alan. I, I think that things were more easily hidden. I think if JFK were shot today, that there wouldn't be a single-bullet theory. No, well, it's, you know, it's kind of like, you know, he brought up the, the you know, affairs JFK had. Well, back then, they were kind of whispered. Some people knew about him, but, it, you know, they weren't blown up as much as they are. You're I mean, absolutely Clinton right about the affairs. affairs. You're absolutely right about the affairs, but bigger. I would argue... If Obama had an affair, that would be... So you think, Mark, Mark, though, Mark, you think with regard to affairs, yes, but with regard to the... Pre- you don't think they're... You don't think, think the Secret JFK Service is screwed up in the past... You don't think the Secret Service is screwed up in the past and it was it was buried? I think the JFK took a lot more personal risk than President Obama ever ever would, and that's not nothing about the two men. It's well, just about, about the Reagan, times in which Reagan we was shot. I mean, I, you can't a, imagine the president walking in a in a, an open. Bill car. Clinton, extreme risk taker. The Secret Service were very frustrated with uh, the you know uh, what they felt was the ability to keep him very safe. He used to yeah. try and uh, get rid of them when he was jogging, for example, you know. or he'd he'd try and dodge them, and they really didn't like that. Exactly right. Well, the information we have today is almost – the president, honestly, today is probably less safe than they've ever been because before you could move a president around, you knew – you know, they could be – Wait a minute, wait a minute, Mark. Do you agree with that? Alan says they're less less safe than they ever been. Are they, A, and B, if they are, that can and should change, right? I don't think they're less safe by reason of technology. I think they're less safe because the Secret (laughs) Service isn't doing its job. It seems to me that – People took You're many, right many now. more risks. Lincoln went to a play with no Secret Service protection. John F. Kennedy went in a convertible through the streets of Dallas that hadn't been checked the buildings first. I don't think they allow that kind of thing today, uh, and, and they shouldn't. And I think that a better Secret Service would protect the president better. That's All right. Alan, anything else? Yeah, I mean, he's trying to you know compare you know decades ago or even over a century ago with Nowadays, presidents, people can find out where they're going to be, what they're going to be doing, who they're going to be meeting with, their tracks. I mean, you can look on the Internet, find almost anything you want 
whether it's bomb-making devices, how to get poisons, how to do any kind of thing. I mean, people know where the president's going to be, have more access to make dangerous weapons. They knew Plus where the John F.K. was going to be. They, they knew his exact, where he was driving. That's how, the, the, that's how Lee Harvey Oswald yeah, got by the book depository and got ready. And he knew exactly where the president was going to be. It's not but the knowledge. They, I, mean, I think can, it's the, the safety. Yeah, but you can't tell me now that with the information people have, crazy people, to be able to make small explosive devices, the kind of weapons we have, the bullets we have, there are All better weapons today. That's true. Right. There are better weapons today. I'll grant you that. I but mean, we haven't seen the better weapons. The, the, the way the president has been attacked is with some very old stuff, with guns to a window, with a guy jumping over a fence, with cyanide. None of this is new technology, with the exception of the drone, which appears to have been a mistake by some guy. And, and this is more, even more of a concern that you bring that up. That's a very good point. It's more of a concern. That, you know, it? it's not like the, you know, it's not like, oh, wow, they're using, you know, better technology and the Secret Service isn't, you know, uh, briefed on this, you know, kind of technology. This is beyond old school. We're going to take a break, guys. Alan, thank you for your call as always, buddy. And uh, Mark, hang tight. We'll be back with you, Mark Levine, my co-host. I'm Leslie Marshall. One more segment in this hour. We're talking about whether or not the President of the United States and everyone else that the Secret Service is supposed to protect are truly as safe as they could be. We have a letter that had cyanide on it delivered to the White House on Monday. Of course, that was intercepted. God, uh, Thank God nobody was hurt. But we did have a guy with a knife jump the fence, got into the White House. We are back talking about the Secret Service, all the debacles there were hearings this week. Mark Levine and I are your co-host in this third hour of this hump day. Hey, Mark, um, David emails, I don't think if they're off their shift, they can't have a drink. But there's a difference between having a drink, driving drunk, and maybe it should be different when you're off-duty. I mean, there's certainly even off-duty conduct on becoming an officer, even though they're not officers. They are, you know, Secret Service agents who are assigned with the task to protect protect people and we know of off-duty police officers who have saved lives because they are they were alert and ready you know drinking is not against the law uh drinking and driving is and drinking while off duty is not against the law drinking while on duty is they ran into a barrier at the white house uh where were they drinking what were they doing why were they near the white house if they were drinking if they were off duty uh you know these are questions that need to be answered is is, is it just that they were away at a bar having a drink off-duty and on their way home, they happened to hit a barrier at the White House? I mean, that seems unlikely, doesn't it? The point is we need a lot of investigation. Oh, no question about that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, there are just so many things here to uh, get to. Let me see. Another person said, the Secret Service knew the Obamas were gone. Still. Right? They're, supp- they're supposed to protect not just those people, but that residence, aren't they? Well, it depends which time. Uh, they knew they were gone when the guy jumped the fence, but the guy jumped the fence, as I recall, something like 15 minutes after the Obamas were gone. It was pretty soon after. And obviously there's a lot of people in the White House that, I mean, I'm not sure whether there was the president's mother-in-law there, was the vice president there, were, were, were cabinet people there. It's very rare that someone important is not in the White House, even when the president's on vacation. That, that's hardly an excuse. It's not. The White House should always be a secure perimeter. There are nuclear codes somewhere there. I mean, come on. I agree. Frank's in Arizona, Line 5. Hey, Frank, how you doing? What do you think? Hey, good. How are you? Good. Thanks for taking my call. 
You know, um, safety of the president. I am an avid autograph collector, and I've managed to get autographs from Gerald Ford, um, the first Bush, Clinton, and Obama. And I make I make serious efforts to try to approach them, you know, and ask them personally for their autographs. And with with George Bush, he was probably the easiest because he was sitting in a room or standing in a room waiting to do a speech. And me and my two sons just walk in and secret service is all over the place and they just stare at us. And I was in a position where I had to grab a couple things out of a bag to have him sign them, so I wanted to get him a couple of baseball signs. So I reach into my bag, and I, I do it real deliberate and real slow so that the Secret Service can see what I'm pulling out of my bag. And I thought, oh, my gosh, they're going to bum rush me when they see me reach into this bag. They didn't budge at all. They just kind of looked at me and looked at my sons, and George Bush saw us standing there with couple balls in our head, and he said, hey, come on over, guys, I'll sign your autographs for you. So, so, so you didn't see a difference in, in, in the past, what, you know, what, five presidencies where you've obtained autographs, six presidencies? I'm sorry? You have not seen a difference in security. It's been the same uh, more recently, and even going back years, like you said, uh, I think you said Gerald Ford and Ronald Reagan, right? Yeah, you know, I would say it's actually, it was easier back in the day because I have not, I've, I've gotten President Obama, but I actually got him at a book signing, you know, where it was set up to get his autograph. Um, I've tried four times since he's been in Arizona and have not managed to get him person. I mean, you know, asking him without going and purchase a book to get him. Did you did. go when you went to the bookstore? Uh, when you went to the bookstore to, uh, for the book signing, was there security, some kind of metal detector when you walked into the bookstore? Nope. I was Really? And the president was there? I'm surprised. I am. Yeah, I mean, you... every time. Like, matter of fact, I got Ger- uh, Gerald Ford on a golf course, and you didn't even see the Secret Service around. I mean, I, I, I've been in positions where I, I look at my boys, actually, and I said, you know, this is kind of crazy. I yeah, can't no, we need a better secret service. get this close I mean, to the president without even being questioned. We, we need a better secret service. Where I've been, where the president has been, uh, they've always had at least a metal detector. And that includes, I was at the Democratic National Convention in 2008 where he was outdoors and there were 100,000 people in that stadium, and yet we all went through a metal detector. So uh, I, I'm, that does not seem right to me that you didn't at least do that. Yeah, I know, and it didn't seem right to me either, to be honest with you, because uh, I was I was literally shocked. You know, I, when I when I first <laughs> set out to get an autograph from a president, I literally thought it was going to be impossible. And I mean, I've I've gotten autographs from you name it. I mean, musicians, actors, everybody, anybody, and anybody. And it was actually easier to get some presidents than it was some musical performers. Wow. I mean, I've seen more security. Matter of fact, in sync, <laughs> when they were on tour, those guys had security. I mean, each one of those guys would walk around with two guys. Frank, I don't think side. you want to admit you wanted their autographs, but go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it was um, for his daughter, Leslie, his daughter. Okay. I wish I wish I could 
I wish I could say that, Mark, but I only have two sons. But <laughs> I was the, trying um, to defend you. Know, you I, did, there. I did have an autograph business, so you know it was it was okay. more for. I mean, I did collect them for myself, obviously too. But um, I did have a little business on the side where you know if somebody was popular and they wanted an autograph, I'd go get it for them and okay. sell it. So. But hey, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate it, and I appreciate your call. Hey, Mark, they say that the return address on all of these different uh, letters um, that have contained, um, you know, cyanide and uh, other uh, packages that can that were covered in urine and feces um, go back to the same guy. Impossible to catch him? I mean, you know, why? Yeah, uh, we're out of time. We're always out of time. Ah, well, Mark, you and I will dance again next week. (laughs) Mark Levine, everybody. Follow him at Mark Levine Talk. Listen to him sitting in for me the first hour of the program every Wednesday on this hump day. We'll be back tomorrow. I hope you'll join me here on the Only True Democracy in Talk Radio. Have a great afternoon. And thanks to Tom and to Andrew, my great crew for the day. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it. Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola Energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola Energy. Energy you want, taste you love. We've got all the news right here. I'm going to stop you right there. I see you about to settle on a day-old donut for breakfast. Well, this is a chick intervention. Because McChicken Biscuits and Chicken McGriddles are now at McDonald's. So just hit that drive through and change your life. For breakfast, you got this. Wake up breakfast. Say good morning to McChicken for breakfast. Right now at your local McDonald's, you can mix and match two Chicken McGriddles or McChicken Biscuits for just $3. Price and participation may vary at participating McDonald's for a limited time.